Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Eric Greenspan, and you are listening to Anthony Gordon Live. Lucky you. Okay, folks, welcome back to the uh, Anthony Gordon Show. Now, I think today's show is super special for three reasons. Number one, we have the honor and pleasure of a very, very, very special dear friend uh, who I can frankly say uh, the Gordon family has a uh, debt of gratitude too, and I'm going to come to that in a second. Um, Eric has a huge heart, and he also has a huge bio, and I'm going to touch on a few of those points, uh, and then we're going to have a 10-minute standing ovation, and then we're going to go straight into our discussion, Eric. Oh, I thought after the ovation we would be done. Uh, yeah, we'll be, <clears throat> that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, questions? Okay. It's a pleasure. <laughs> So I think here, here are the salient, I think, points that our 275.2 million listeners would probably want to hear. So here are the high points. Um, firstly, certainly an acclaimed chef, a popular TV personality. He's an author of two cookbooks, The Grilled, The Great Grilled Cheese Book, um, Grown Up Recipes for and Grown Up Recipes for a Childhood Classics. And then also cook up comfort with the world-renowned uh, Eric Greenspan. So Eric began his humble beginnings uh, from UC Berkeley, the prestigious house school of business of, uh, of science. Uh, he then continued his journey of life into the Le Condom Bleu the culinary school, the famous one that is in, in Paris. Uh, and all Wait, how did you say that? How am I doing? A Le Condom Bleu culinary school. <laughs> That's your... <laughs> French is strong. Six months in front of a mirror, my friend. Um, amongst other well-renowned, uh, celebrated chefs that uh, Eric spent some of his formative years with, and Eric, you're going to have me. I'm gonna, this is this my false tooth might might fall out here. Elaine Ducasse, David Alain Ducasse, Alain Ducasse, David yeah. Bowley, uh, Alain Ducasse, El Bouilly, Ferran uh, Adriano Bouilly. David Boulay. Uh, you know, had, had, I would have been on a roller coaster for six months just to figure this thing out. Rocco Despirito. How did that sound? <laughs> Rocco Despirito. <laughs> okay. As well as uh, uh, three star uh, Michelin chef, Tiran Andrea El Boncia in Spain. Tiran Adria at Obuyi in Spain. Now, thank goodness my just wife is. Most- just the most important restaurant in the uh, in the last fifty years of gastronomy, but it's okay that you don't know it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's I know my culinary. Is- <laughs> Thank goodness my wife is a speech therapist because uh, that that was uh, <clears throat> all right. So uh, let me touch on some other salient points because I think knowing our listeners, uh, I think they would want another following. Um, Eric's appeared on countless 
TV shows, Food Network, uh, A&E National, uh, NBC, Fox. Uh, amongst his other many claims to fame, he defeated Bobby Flay on Iron Chef America. He's a regular judge on uh, Food Networks. Um, Eric has, um, amongst other things, you know what, let, let, let's hold off on some of the accolades because I'm going to I'm going to tie into the discussion. But I think for the purposes of the, sh the show, Eric, can you can you give a sense to our listeners of at what point in your in your journey did you say, you know what, this is my calling. I've got a God given talent. I understand that there's a certain unique skill in the culinary space. And the reason why I ask that is because over the, the months that we've had guests, one of the common questions that that have come in is is how, how do you know, you know, what, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing here? We all get plonked down into this this uh, this globe which is spinning around and we all have to choose a vocation. How did you get a sense of this is what I want to do and clearly you grabbed it, embraced it and became certainly one of the most celebrated chefs uh, that uh, that I know and that I'm sure many people know. You know, it's funny. Uh, you bring up uh, God-given talent, and I think that that is wholly incorrect. Uh, I don't believe that I have a God-given talent in any way, shape, or form. I believe that I, that it was uh, it was honed and it was earned. Oh. Uh, and so just want to clarify that. But uh, how did I know that this is what I want to do? I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, I knew that I wanted to be my own boss at some point. I knew that I wanted to kind of control my own destiny, and and I knew that I wanted to 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 you know to to be to to control my own destiny and 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 do my own thing. Right. Uh, I stumbled into cooking in college. It was a it was a summer job uh, that quickly uh, became a passion. But but to be honest with you, it wasn't a passion for food as much as it was a passion for work. Uh, I liked the work. I liked the idea of you've got five minutes to do 20 things and to do them uh, exactly correct. And then when your reward for accomplishing those 20 things is another 20 things to do with another five minutes to do it in. Um, and for a guy who likes to accomplish things, that rush was undeniable. And that is what kind of set me on the the course that I'm on now. It, it was not a love for food. It was a yeah, love for work. And it was a love for satisfaction. Uh, it was a love for accomplishment uh, that kind of drove me down this path. And then, you know, look, I'm also somebody who says, if you're going to do it, do it right. And so yeah. when I was done with college, you know, I was a short order. I was trained as a short order cook. And I figured that that, you know, look, you can always learn how to cook steaks and decide to cook burgers. But if you only know how to cook burgers, you're never going to cook a steak. So I uh, I decided to attend culinary school. Yeah. Um, and then from there, kind of continued to seek out opportunities that allowed me to perform at a, as high enough level and to learn as much as I possibly can to hone my craft. And that's kind of what I continue to do. I continue to learn and I continue to hone my craft. And I think that's how I've gotten to, to be the man who I am now and to continue to be the man that I hope to be later. So what what would you say, Eric? It's great. What what would you say gives you more of uh, a feeling of accomplishment or a more uh, just a feeling of of joy to to watch people 
salivating and enjoying a dish that you've you know worked very hard to prepare, or just seeing yourself you know be recognized amongst you know th- these accolades as, as as you know one of the most uh, recognized and celebrated chefs. So what 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 you know? I got to be honest. With you, the answer is neither. Um, I learned very quickly that what was most important to be a great sh- now look. I do a lot of different things. And one of them is being a chef. Yep. And one of them is being an entertainer. And I think that is what is the most important part about being a chef is that it's not about cooking because you don't do all the cooking. It's not about, you know, it's not about creation because you don't really do all the creating. It's about, it's about educating your staff and motivating your staff to get in line with a specific vision and to be able to think independently and operate within the guidelines that you set to create the things that you need to create and create fostering an environment that creates that. And so I think that what really excites me the most is seeing my team accomplish the vision that we set out together to accomplish. So you, you, you hit an interesting word, Eric. Um, one of the reasons, just to give you the genesis of the Anthony Gordon show, um, I think, you know, I speak at a lot of the, the, the these Jewish events and it really was a discussion uh, between myself, Dennis Prager, and Dennis said, you know, you're an interesting guy, Anthony, you've got um, a number of different uh, talents, you've got a background, you you know, wh- I think that you also care deeply, and one of the things that you concern and care about, which is which is definitely one of the catalysts to find the show, is that there are tens of millions of folks in the millennial generation, including my own kids, um, you know, that are they grew up in a different way to you and I, maybe being sort of bombarded with, a, with, with uh, you know, a, a level of technology that you and I didn't grow up with, with certain things in pop culture. Some of it's great, some of it's scary. And one of the things that I think is a little scary, at least to me, um, is that I, I, I think that there's, that there's less of a sense of gratitude. There's maybe a little bit more of an entitlement feeling in this, in this generation. And, and, and I think it's certainly apropos in terms of, it, of gratitude uh, and I mean it's from the bottom of my heart. I think you know me well enough, Eric. There's a time to kid around and time to be serious. Is that my second oldest son, for our, our listeners, Josh, um, who very early on in his life just had a just tremendous proclivity to food. It was a calling that was inexplicable. And, you know, you were an indispensable part of his growth, his mentoring. He, you know, looks up to you, uh, certainly as one of during his formative years, Really, he looks up to you, and he's gone on to become one of certainly, you know, one of the most successful uh, high-end chefs in the kosher world. And, he, and I, I spoke to him, you know, told him that you'll get that I paid you, you know, six point four million dollars to be on the show, and he just he just was flooding with with compliments. That when he looks back at his life now, you were just a fun, you were just an you were a key part of his life, and, and I just I've never really asked this, and you know. I mean, this is me. It's the father speaking. You know, just the feeling of knowing that you you really helped mold and played a huge part in in, in the future of of someone's calling in their, in their profession. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I realized that 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 the poor kid needed some parental guidance badly. <laughs> I walked straight into that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look when you when you and Josh came to see me, and it's funny to even call him Josh because to me he's the schmoo. Uh, <laughs> but when you guys came to see me, you know, look, I, I saw in your son 
somebody who had a thirst for knowledge and more importantly, a desire to work at a very, I mean, they look, the kid was 16 years old with his yarmulke on his head. And he came That's right. To, to basically a, the pirate ship that is a professional kitchen and jumped in and held his own immediately, was unintimidated, unflapped, and, and just had an incredible thirst for knowledge. Those are the kinds of people that, you know, that you want to give as much as you can to because they want it so badly and they're willing to fight for it and earn it. You know, it's funny that you bring up like the sense of entitlement uh, uh, for, for this millennial generation. And I think that, you know, that, that your children that I've seen have kind of bucked, the, bucked that trend um, and maybe that was due to simple neglect, uh, and that they, you know, that, uh, but, Appreciate <laughs> the shout out, buddy. <laughs> but I, but, but I don't believe it to be true. And so I, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, like your son was one of those people that, that makes, that makes you want to teach because, you know, and, and it, these are the kinds of people that I always seek to surround myself with and, 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 and to bring into my kitchen are people who, who like, I don't like to hire people because I, I need to fill a position. I like to, I view my life in many ways as a performance and I like to cast the right crew. And to me, the, the kinds of people that I need to have around me are people who are looking for knowledge in a humble way yep. and are willing to absorb it and, and recognize gifts that are given to them no matter what the package yep. and, and, and want it and give back as much as they are given, if not more. Uh, and your son fit right into that. Um, but again, like I look at the effect that I had on, on, on Josh's life and I look at the effect that I've had on, on, on a lot of other young people's lives. And, uh, and you know, that's what gives, you know, gives me the biggest source of pride. It's all, a lot of the awards and the recognition and, and stuff like that is great. But you know, I get, I get father's day cards and texts, uh, gonna... and, it's not, and it's not coming from my six year old, my three year old. yet. <laughs> um, you know, and, and it, and it's times like that, that, that really, you know, remind you of the impact that you're making on people and 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 that's the kind of thing that I that I that I live for and that motivates me. So that's a, a perfect segue. If I look, if I look at some of the bullets in your in, in your bio, which are which are incredible. I mean, um, I mean, all kidding aside, uh, Eric, you 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 know, you went to the most prestigious culinary school, uh, defeated a Bobby Flay. You you know, um, I'm looking at just you just odds on ends. Nine forty four magazine's most buzzworthy chef in America. Just to go on and on, uh, Angelino Magazine's Eight Hot Chef. What are you most proud of? Because I, when you and I met, you were not yet a father. You know, somehow when one, when one, uh, you know, be, assumes the role of a parent, the notion of legacy becomes part of one's psyche. So, what are you most proud of? What you know? What do you, what do you when you? There's nothing wrong with saying that the, you know, as, as opposed to. Uh, anything which is just narcissistic, but there's moments of, that we've sweated for, that we've done, that we look back and, you know, we feel it's a sense of, uh, look at, with a, a healthy sense of pride. You know, I think that this, besides, you know, the impact that I've had on, on a lot of people's lives and how I've mm -hmm. lived that, I'm very proud of that. I think that what I'm probably most proud of is like, look, throughout my career, and you know this very well because we've known each other for a long time, yeah. uh, I have hit some tremendous obstacles. Yeah, we can touch uh, on that. And and, uh, and the ability, the resilience that I have been able to show to kind of overcome those obstacles and to continue to reinvent and 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 just roll with punches and and find kind of chinks in the armor of life that I can get through 
and rise above to me is the kind of things that is probably what I'm most proud of. I'm most proud of that because, you know, I think that I've been through a lot of things that probably would have crushed uh, yep. a lot of people professionally. Yep. And I'm proud of the ability to look. I, I feel it emotionally like anybody else has, but I'm proud of the fact that it might just be, be through sheer stupidity that I didn't let any of that stuff kind of slow me down. And I just kind of kept going to, to continually kind of keep pushing and, and, and finding new things and new ways to be impactful and, and to yep. be successful. And that's probably what I'm most proud of. It's amazing. And this is completely unscripted. This is unprepared as we, you know, as I was speaking to the, the, uh, our, our production team before the show, one of the comments that I, that I made is we're going through all the accolades as a chef and, and uh, you know, the, the foundry household, household name restaurant at, Mal, at Malrose that you found. And I said, the truth be said, mark my words, my discussion with Eric uh, is going to be a lot more profound. And, and I think you just nailed it. You know, I speak to a lot of college kids. I'm involved in the, you know, the proverbial speaking circuit. And I think the one area that, I, that keeps coming back is adversity. And there's no one that I have met, Eric, and I think you know me, you know me very well. Um, I'm fortunate to have, have, you know, been to certain uh, Ivy League schools, have achieved. There's nobody that I would look up to as a person who would be a role model, as a person who would be a mentor that hasn't overcome enormous adversity. The difference between many people and you, Eric, is that besides incredible intestinal fortitude, and I, I've got I've got some sense of curveballs and huge lemons that have been thrown your way, is that um, there's there's a there's a there's a tremendous attitude that I've always seen and felt about you, and that is I don't pick up in you a self pity, I don't pick up in you a deep uh, anger. Your, 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 I mean, your laugh is infectious, you know. Uh, I mean, we ask all my kids and people that know you, the knee-jerk reaction is a smile. So I would say the demographic of the show is are, are, are millennials. And the question that is asked, it's a, very, it's a very painful time to be living through for a number of reasons, is how do you attribute the, the, the ability to, to, to really see the glass half full? You ask, you ask, how do I notice that the, you know, how, how do I keep viewing life as the glass is half full? And that's because if you look at it the other way, then you're done. And, you know, like, I refuse to lose. I refuse to lose. And so you can't ever be done. You have to constantly be like, okay, then, you know, it's the, the concept of Beshareth, right? It's, yeah. uh, it's God's will and that you're, and that you're challenged, that the challenges come your way and that if you just look at them as, as a defeat instead of a, a step on a longer path, you're done. And, you know, I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to be done. And so you have to take your beatings and your learnings and realize that this is just another step on, on a path towards something. And because and, if you don't, then you're just defeated. And that's not, uh, you know, I, that, that's not anything that I can accept. Okay. So the second point that you said is also, if I had scripted the show, I would have said that. I had a conversation this morning uh, with a group of, of, of folks and I said, you know, I, I live in a more sort of maybe religious, spiritual environment, and what's axiomatic to the to the life that I lead is that there are no accidents, and that everything you know, as it's pain for sure, but ultimately everything happens for the, for the good. And what I said to the group is, and I mean it sincerely, my heart goes out to folks 
that think that it's just random happenstance that it's a whole accident. I mean, how do people get through, you know, the storms in life if they think that this is just, you know, God playing tricks on us? I mean, for me, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't even, I, I, I don't even like, I don't care if it's God playing tricks on me or if God has a plan and this is part of it or not. Uh, I really don't. Uh, for me, I have a plan. And I have a goal for myself and, I, and things that I want to achieve and, and where I want to get. And so, again, I just view obstacles as exactly what they are. They're obstacles. They're not ends. They're not beginnings. They're just obstacles. And, 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 and the, the person that you are and the man that you become is, is on how you deal with those obstacles. It's, you know, it's not about how you deal with the, you know, the, the blessings and how you deal with, the, with, with all the positives. It's how you deal with the negatives. Okay, now I can see you wearing a shirt. So on that point, <laughs> is who would you consider someone that you would look up to uh, as just a person that you admire, a person of character, you know, a role model? Uh, you know, if you had 15 minutes and you could choose any person, dead or alive, who, who would that person oh, be? Man. That is that that is tough. Uh, because they you know, look, I have a ton of role models, professionally speaking, uh, uh, of who I look up to. Um, I would say that of all the mentors that I've had, you know, I, I really look up to Chef David Boulay because, again, he has constantly reinvented himself, uh, constantly found himself within, uh, you know, with challenges and, and business failures and, and, and you know, uh, acts of God and all sorts of things that have kind of thrown his way. And he just continues to, to forge ahead and stay current and keep doing creative so, and interesting things that are true to his spirit. For those folks that, you know, are, on, are not as familiar with it, with the colony space, just David Boulay. use the day, give us some, give us some, yeah, just, just give us some context. I mean, David Boulay has been uh, considered one of the greatest chefs in, in the history of the city of New York. Uh, you know, a four-star New York Times chef, a uh, three-star Michelin chef, uh, but he's open and closed. You know, he faced a lot of adversity on a business level of kind of the different businesses that he's opened um, and has constantly kind of risen from the ashes. To And every time he has come back, he's come back in a different way uh, than himself, than, than where he was or, you know, he started with a fine dining restaurant called Boulay. And then when that closed, he opened up another restaurant called the Boulay Bakery. But it wasn't just a bakery. It was still also a four-star dining experience. And when, when the Boulay Bakery left, he opened up a thing called Boulay Upstairs, where it was a very small, intimate experience. And then, and then launched a Japanese. Like, he just constantly has reinvented himself uh, in, in a modern way to kind of continue to push forward what he's done. And I've always been inspired by that. And it, it, it's interesting because I think when I when I look around at, I mean, the world that we're living in today, which is, I think the people that are going to get through this uh, and be better and not bitter are, are people that know how to pivot, people that recreate yeah, themselves. Very important. Very you know, important. I think that I've, I've met a lot of people that are sort of, you know, fight, flight, and freeze. There's a lot of people that I'm meeting that are frozen. The world has changed. and instead of sort of adapting and reacclimating and rewiring, you know, playing coulda, woulda, shoulda, what happened, you know, and I think that, I think that if that is one of David's, you know, major traits, it makes, it makes a lot of sense as to uh, 
I mean, I've been, I've been training for moments like these. Yeah, I think it's a guy like you. This is tailor made for. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh wow, oh wow, it's like an even playing field. All of a sudden, we're all at. <laughs> all kidding aside, has, has uh, you know, obviously it's been a scary, scary period. But has, has this been net net uh, a productive period for you, or uh, just hungering uh, down? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if productive is necessarily the way to call it. Um, it's obviously a time of introspection and a time of thinking yep. about what's important to you uh, and, and, and things like that. I've become a whole lot closer with my family, which That's is awesome. something that is a big challenge with, with what I've done. Uh, you know, like I was lucky enough, you know, a couple of years ago when I, when I closed my last restaurant group and we shut down seven restaurants that we opened up and, and I was looking for the next thing to do, I got into uh, the ghost kitchen world, the delivery only businesses. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to, I want to, Expand on that a little bit, because I, you know, I think it's an unbelievable space. That yeah, my, my my focus has really been on 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 the ghost kitchen world, which is out of which is creating multiple brands out of a singular kitchen without a storefront that you uh that you that that it lives virtually while on delivery apps and for uh, delivery purposes. What's um, a di- what's the difference Eric, between um, I guess what you call a ghost kitchen and I guess what the cliche like a pop up kitchen is. So a ghost kitchen, you can't like people don't people can't come to you. They can only order from delivery, and and so that's what a ghost kitchen is. Now, what I've done is created multiple brands to operate out of a singular ghost kitchen with a singular crew, a singular kitchen team at the wow. same time. All of the brands are you know uh, creatively different and uh, and but they you know, operate in a way where we cross utilize ingredients and, and muscle memory of the kitchen and things like that. And it's very it's incredibly interesting space to be into i i made the move originally just because i wanted to learn something new um and i knew that i was going to be starting a new business and in order to start that new business um you know i needed to you know i wanted to do something that was new and i I also wanted to to do something that was built for the future uh, to know that i'm gonna put my time and effort into something it's not necessarily what it is what's important now but what's going to be important five years from now uh and and try to get ahead of the curve yeah um and so I chose kind of the delivery space and kind of, you know, paid attention to what was going on. And I launched one brand and then started to realize kind of how this game works and, and where I thought this world was going. Um, and so at one point we had about five or six brands operating at, at, at wow. one kitchen. And, and so I've been become kind of a, a voice in this movement and, 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 and very learned in what's going on. And so for me, interestingly enough, as you know, the world has become the world that it is now, uh, it's kind of accelerated uh where that's at i've been lucky enough to be created some partnership where i'm in a research and development mode less than a profit taking mode right now to amazing to kind of learn the right way to kind of operate these facilities and and what and and you know and gleam what what works and what doesn't work in the in, in the industry and so for me right now to be at the forefront of the delivery food world at a time when frankly delivery is all you got uh has been incredibly interesting. It's 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 interesting, and, and yet you have to temper your excitement because uh, you know a lot of people keep telling me like, oh wow, it was so smart that you got into delivery, and now like you, you know you're thriving when everybody else isn't. And, and I and I keep reminding people like, yeah, but you know this is a blip. What's happening yeah, yeah. right now is a blip. It's, it's it's not real. I mean, it's real. It's very real, but it's but not it, a long lasting reality. No, this so, is definitely not normal. As, I, I you were saying it's. In the delivery space, right now, um, you know, it, it seems like 
it, it seems like you're on a roll, but you're right. I think this is a bit of a blip. So here's here's my observation, Eric. Um, we've known each other for a while, and I think that long enough to make the following observation. With the proliferation of technology, I've seen how difficult it is for maybe for everyone, but certainly for millennials to look into each other's eyes, to connect, no gadgets, and have a, you know, just have a, a sincere conversation. I've always thought of high-end food, the, 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 you know, the Eric Greenspan guys of the world as putting together a beautiful culinary treat and, you know, candle at dinner. Am I wrong in saying that, you know, the days of ambiance of a sort of a, a very sincere heart-to-heart discussion is very difficult in, you know, the hyper multitasking, hectic technology world we're in. And if so, what does that mean to high-end restaurants? I mean, the world has always been changing. Yep. And I, you know, and I, and I think that to your point, it's, it's about how you pivot. Do I think that, I think that in many ways for high-end restaurants, because of how little personal connection and visceral experiences we have these days, yep. because of technology, I think that, frankly, that experience becomes more valuable. Couldn't agree with you. Yeah, it's, you know, the experience to sit back and just have uh, a really meaningful experience, dining experience where the ambiance is right and the service is right and the food is right and the conversation is right, uh, is an, it becomes an extremely more meaningful one. Um, and I think that there's really on, on those levels and mind you, those aren't the levels that I try to even operate in anymore for the most part. Uh, although I feel very comfortable operating in those environments. And I think that those are very meaningful experiences. Yep. And I think they become more meaningful, uh, as we become more disconnected, the opportunity that we have to connect on a more visceral level becomes more important. Um, you know, that's why even when I do the delivery food stuff, I am constantly trying to think of, you know how to engage with my customers. You know, I, I, being in the, being in the tech world, I miss that part of, I miss that part of the experience. I got it. I think my, my hunch was that, you, that your response was going to be pretty much that you are hundred percent correct. People meet, need this now more than ever. People are a lot more stressed and anxious in my observation. So two questions. I always try and put myself in the mind's eye of our 275 million listeners and think, what would they want to ask Eric Greenspan? So here's two questions just between you and I, Eric, that, I, that, I, that I've always wanted to ask you, and that's the following. I see you, and maybe it's just because we have a different relationship than this, my, the relationship my son had with you, uh, you know, or, or, the, or that your 1.2 billion uh, adoring fans have with you. But I see you as a, uh, a guy who's got terrific personality, a great sense of humor, you write well, um, I don't know, maybe I see you more in a, in a, in a, in a I think you're just an all-round all round mensch. If money wasn't an obstacle, if I wired you a billion dollars tonight, what, what would you be doing that's different? And, and, and how would that change the way you would spend your days, your months, and, and you know, the, 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 uh, the, the peak years of your life now? If money was take money off the table as anything as you don't have to work for a living, it's purely now you've got all the dough in the world. Make your live your dream, buddy. You know, I think that 
on a, on a, I hate to say on a professional level, but on a craft level, I, I would want to continue to teach um, and I would want to continue to, to perform and create uh, food, but I would probably do it in a way uh, that uh, was less commercially viable and kind of more self-serving in yep. terms of, you know, teaching people and, and, and performing on, and shifting towards an art as artistic uh, way that I can and, and really, really hone my craft because I can afford to. Yep. Uh, I think that oftentimes you stop owning your craft in a sense because you, you can only focus on certain things. That's what you need to pay the bills. And, yep. and, and I, and I think that I would definitely shift into some sort of apprenticeship kind of art studio, uh, kind of, environment. um, would travel a lot. I would travel yep. a lot and I would take my, my family, my, my sons with me and I would expose them to as many different things and people and experiences in the world. The world is so big. Yep. And I think that so often, despite how connected we all are through the internet, I feel like, you know, there's nothing really like when you, when you, when, when I stepped off that airplane in Paris and it was my first time really out of the country when I went to culinary school that, that I got of like, Oh my God, this world is huge. <laughs> and there's so many people out here who I never even fathomed here, and yet they're living a whole different life than I'm living. It was so, so impactful in my life that I think that I would like to, to even see how much bigger it is and, and to show that to, to my boys. Um, yeah. I, I really think that's it. I mean, I, I don't really want for much. You know, luckily being, you know, grinding out in the restaurant business for a long time, you don't really want for anything but a good meal and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and a good experience. So, uh, you know, I would probably – you know, I, I would travel a lot and I think that I would, uh, I would continue to mentor, uh, and be able to do that in a way that is free because, you know, when you're unshackled with the need to, to make money, you can just give. And I, and, and, yeah. and what makes me the most happy is the ability to experience and the ability to give. So I think, yeah, that, I think that, that, uh, you're definitely one of the most benevolent, benevolent guys that, that I know. How, how old are your kids, uh, Eric, now? Uh, six and three. So your oldest son. My oldest son is six and my youngest son is three. Okay. Your oldest son comes to you in uh, 10 years from now and says, Dad, I want to be in the, the, the chef business. I've been watching you. It's me. Show me that apron. I'm off to the races. How would you feel? I mean, I'd be worried. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not an ideal profession for people. And, and, and I think that there's a, a ton of work that I have to do to try to to try to hopefully steer him in a different direction than that but if my son came to me and said that's what i want to do well then let's go you know let's go and and it would be but but it would be i mean look i would start him off as a dishwasher and 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 and, and if he still likes it then we then we bring it <laughs> the next level which is you know being a fry and you like that then i'm not here i will provide insight that i, I think that that look the, the life of a chef is a very challenging one um, yeah, have so, I found so, fulfillment in it? Yeah. Um, but but it's challenging. And so for my kid, you know, whatever they want to do is what I want to give. You know, I will empower them and I'll do it. Yeah. So here, here here's my um, my observation. I think that I I see you as sort of exuding the most joy and being very much in the zone. When you're mentoring, when you're teaching, when you when you're giving your heart and soul, I've seen it many times in, in, in our relationship together. So, if you were asked to uh, give a TED talk, and the only guidance you were given 
Uh, you've got 18 minutes. And if you could just try and impart some, some wisdom and some tools for life to uh, the, you know, the 600,000 uh, people in the hall, and it doesn't have to be obviously culinary related. What, what are some of the points that, that uh, you would want to share with the, uh, the, your virtual TED Talk here and, and uh, our, our listeners today? I mean, I think that uh, I definitely think a conversation about dealing with adversity is something that I'm well yep. suited for. Um, I, I, I'd like to talk about staying focused amongst you know, all of the challenges that the world gives you. Yeah. how to do that, um, how to continue to move forward, uh, how to channel your passion into yeah. something that uh, – and, and to continue to channel that passion uh, and, and to maintain that passion regardless of how you pivot and then yeah. just to and, – and how to maintain focus, how to maintain focus on the things that you think are important about what makes you who you are and, and where you want to get to throughout regardless of what the world throws your way. I think that the, if there's anything that life has prepared me for, it's a conversation like that. I, uh, I, I think that's, that personifies you, uh, Eric. And I want to I thank you very, very much, not only for your time, but um, I, I sincerely – belated and, and, and heartfelt um, sense of uh, eternal gratitude that I have as a, as a friend and as a father. You have, without question, uh, been a vital part uh, in the life of my second oldest son. Um, I think that he, I think that it's not only the ideas in the culinary world, but I think just, um, you know, he he's seen you in the kitchen. Uh, it's an incredibly stressful, taxing time. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, somehow, uh, you know, you, you've always made lemonade. And I think that I couldn't have asked, you know, for, uh, for a better role model during such an important time in his life. And, uh, you know, I want to encourage our, our listeners to watch as your journey continues. Um, Maybe a good place for us to, to tail off is just if you could give us a sense of, I think, if I understand correctly, you, you currently are a brand ambassador for, for WW, uh huh. What, what does that What does that actually mean, uh, brand ambassador? Because I think it was formerly what was known as Weight Watchers is known today as WW. Yeah. So, uh, brand ambassador. Basically, uh, you know, like I, I went. I started doing uh, WW, formerly Weight Watchers, about two and a half years ago. Yeah. Uh, when I was at at my heaviest and and not in a good place, uh, yep. physically or emotionally, and uh, and in doing so, I've lost. I mean, pre-COVID, it was 80. We're now at about 72 <laughs> pounds wow. now. Um, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, it's changed my life. And as a brand ambassador, I, I, I like to share to people and inspire people and, and guide wow. people along the way of how to kind of to, to take control of their lives and live a little bit of a health, live, live more of a healthier life and make better decisions without having to, sacrifice what's important to you and, and what you love. Uh, and it's been a, it's been a really amazing part of my life journey. Uh, it's extended my life journey, but the ability <laughs> to, to influence, like I said, you know, I like to inspire people. Um, and this has been a way to, I mean, if you would have told me two and a half years ago, Eric Greenspan, you're going to inspire people through your wellness journey. I would have said you're a crazy person. Uh, wellness isn't really my thing. 
I mean, I remember I was 311 pounds when I started talking to the people at Weight Watchers and said, Hey, wow. I want to, I want to change my life. And I want you guys to, and, and I want you guys to help me with it. But I also want you to come along for the ride and, and, and show people that even a guy like me is possible to kind of turn that around. And it's been a, it's been an amazing part of my life journey. So on, on, on that front, as, as, as we wrap it up, you know, the, the, there's a large proportion uh, of Americans and therefore I would say, uh, you know, part of our demographic here, who, uh, who are listeners, you know, who are considered uh, obese by, by the classic definition. What's your best advice uh, to people out there that are really genuinely struggling? I mean, intellectually, uh, obviously they realize that this is, you know, it, it's not a healthy way to live, but I, I, I imagine it's not exactly the easiest thing to, you know, completely recalibrate life habits. Uh, I would say, you know, the first part of a journey is a step. Yeah. And you got to take that first step and then take the next step and then take the next step. Yeah. And if you happen to slip a little bit along the way, you pick yourself up and you keep taking those steps. Um, and I think that's very important when you're on a wellness journey and you're trying to recalibrate it. And I think you have to be fair to yourself. You have to be hard on yourself, but fair to yourself yep. and recognize why you're doing it and continue to remind yourself why you're doing it and what's important, but also, you know, be easy on yourself every once in a while. Like one of the best things about WW is that you can eat what you want to eat as long as you learn how to eat it within proportions and correctly and, yep. and at the right time and, the, and to find that balance. Uh, and, if, and for me, I had to be very disciplined at first until I could sure. ease up a little bit. Uh, but it, I had to remind myself every day that like it's a step and tomorrow's another step and then tomorrow's another step and, and a collection of steps becomes a walk and a collection of walks becomes a journey. And Beautiful. it's a very important way to look at it. Eric, uh, I, I want to, uh, I want to say the following may, uh, as I do with some of my guests end with a, uh, sincere and heartfelt, a blessing. Uh, may may your girth continue to get smaller. May your wallet get a lot larger. And may even though you might be a half the man you used to be, you always have a huge heart and a special place in my heart. I want to thank you for your time. The world is a better place that Eric, Eric Greenspan has sojourned in it. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate it. Love you very much, my brother. Love you too, my friend. Ciao, ciao. God bless. God bless. So great, uh, a great thank you to our special guest. This evening, Eric Greenspan, uh, not only for being um, a world-renowned culinary celebrity chef, but it's interesting that, as we heard this evening, everything that Eric spoke about that gives him satisfaction and uh, and happiness is not money-related. Uh, it gives you a sense of, of a true man of, of character. I want to give a quick shout-out to our production team, Launch Pot Media, a world-class operation once again. You guys knocked it out the park. Um, uh, folks. This show would be nothing without you, our audience. And I just want to remind you guys once again to please subscribe below to the Anthony Gordon Show. And while a three-star Michelin is the way to go in the culinary business, in our business, it's five stars. So we'd be deeply grateful if you give us a five-star review. This is Anthony Gordon. Thanks once again. We'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.